0: I, I tell you, no kidding, this staff are phenomenal. The, the, all four of them, like, I'm just like, biggest surprise of the year is how on it they are and how what servant's hearts they have. Oh my goodness, I would just like to package up this team and take them everywhere I go. But they belong to you. So before you're seated, I want you to find somebody and look them in the eye and say, Every time you pray, something happens. Tell them that, okay? Let's find somebody to say that to, okay? And yeah, go ahead, be seated. I don't I don't like telling people what to do my wife would snicker at that she's are you kidding me? But I'm going to make a request. This is a long narrow room here Is there any possibility we could be okay? See where George is that should be the last row there, okay? So come on a little closer So I can see the whites of your eyes and we can get to know each other. I did use my scope mouthwash before the meeting. So it shouldn't be dangerous to be in the fourth or fifth pew. And uh, you know what's funny? I go to ministers' meetings and the pastors all do the same thing. They sit at the back. Like, there we are Sunday, always telling people, come on up. Then we go to a meeting, we sit at the back. So we're all the same that way. But it's, it's good to have you here. Uh, I'm Pastor Terry Bone, B-O-N-E-T Bone. Yes, you know that by now. And um, my wife and I just got back late last night, just before midnight, from a week's vacation that we had planned uh, since October. And we all, I also have a very important ministry trip coming up in February for 15 days. So saying yes to this uh, position meant we have to work around those uh, uh, ministry trips. And um, we do run a charity that focuses on reaching the least reached and the most vulnerable. So in nations like Bangladesh, Nepal, and other places, we uh, find those that have never heard the gospel and need help the most. The Great Commandment, the Great Commission. Love others like God loves you and tell them the message. And so what does that look like? Go into a... Muslim village with local workers that I've raised up and support, and find out what they need. Put in a water well. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. And if they want to hear the message, they can come and hear the message. And um, every single month, we have people getting baptized that have never heard the gospel before our workers went in. And that just turns my crank. That's, <laughs> that's uh, what I live for. And um, So that's what we do overseas, but I have to go over and manage it and make sure it's all happening. You know, uh, when you send money over there, you better make sure it's being used for the right things. And uh, so that's part of what I do in my spare time, okay? And other times I'm here with you. Um, Turn to the book of Habakkuk, please. Oh, I have to go back to your Sunday school lessons and sing the books of the Bible to find out where that one is. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, after the major prophets. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. If it didn't rhyme, I probably couldn't do it. But here we are in the book of Habakkuk. And um, anybody does not have notes, it's number three, the process of listening. If you didn't get last week's notes or the overview, if you're here... I'm going to put them in the pew right here, and you can just walk up and get them. And that's the overview for the series there. Don't be shy. And prayer. Uh, Why don't people pray? There's different reasons, but one of the reasons is we don't know how. And I've heard uh, pastors say, well, the best way to learn how to pray is pray. Yeah, you have to learn by doing. But let's face it, some of us don't know what to do. And we've come from different backgrounds and different ways of prayer. If you grew up in a Roman Catholic church, praying looks a lot different than if you grew up in a Hindu family, or if you grew up in a Muslim family, or if you grew up in a Pentecostal family. And uh, first time I went into a Pentecostal prayer meeting, I wondered what was going on. I'd never heard of the gift of tongues, and they were wandering around praying. I thought, "Oh boy, these people are from a lot of different countries here tonight." And uh, nobody was listening to anybody. Everybody was just letting it rip in their own their own way. And I thought, "What is this?" I'd been a Christian about four weeks, and I had no idea what uh, prayer looked like in in that setting. And um, I'm not saying it it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it looks different depending on where you've grown up and what tradition you're in but the number one thing is prayer is relationship it's relationship first of all with your heavenly father and do you know that some people have stopped calling God father and they just say God in some churches there the leaders will only say God because they don't want to offend people who've come from broken homes and all the rest and gender issues and like, well, Jesus called him Father. So I think I'll call him Father. And because Father isn't a gender statement. Gender has to do with earthly creatures. Father is a provider and a protector. He is the source, the one who produced the family, the one who provides for the family. So he is my provider. He is my protector. And as I told my own brother, who just came to the Lord, I told you that two weeks ago, but I told him, I said, Bruce, God is the father that you and I never had. We had an earthly dad, but he's not like the father that Jesus talks about. And uh, all of us have a father. The heavenly father is the father none of us ever had. And um, he is our father. And... um, I had the privilege of last week um, we were in the Caribbean and um, we went back to an island where we'd done a lot of ministry and where I've had two or three profound experiences with the Lord. And um, uh, I took my wife to two of those places because she wasn't there when it had happened. And uh, in in one case it's... uh, Well, we're talking 15 years or more. 20 years in one case. And I stood on the spot. Did the selfie and I said, right here is the spot where God told me that I'd be part of the next worldwide move of God. And I've been believing Him forever, ever since waiting. And I believe it. And I believe I'm here in this church because it's, it's close. So close. What we've been waiting for. And another point in that in that uh in that island um where god had spoke to me about how much i bring joy to his heart because i'm his son and that i don't have to work for it uh i don't have to work for his approval it's just because i'm his boy and i remember when god spoke those words to me what it did i took my wife back to that spot and we prayed and talked about it and um I'm talking about listening to God. I'm talking about hearing from God. And you know, some of us aren't that good at listening, right? I'm a terrible listener by nature. Talk, talk, talk. I want to tell you my opinion. I'm just calling it the way I see it. And I'm not a good listener. My wife's a fantastic listener. And she has taught me and is still teaching me how to be a good listener. I had a dentist who was the worst listener I ever, uh, ever saw. You know, people that are busy tend to not listen well. So he we had this practice where he had like five assistants in different rooms. And he would they would get you set up and get your mouth all propped open. Then he'd come in and just do his little thing and move on to the next one. Got all the money probably. Well, they got paid minimum wage. And he would go around and every time he'd say, how are you? And you'd say, oh, well, you know, whatever. You could tell he wasn't listening. So I thought, I'm going to test it. So the next time I was at the dentist, he came in. He said, how are you, Terry? I said, oh, awful. I've just had, you know, i got aches and pains. Things aren't going well. He goes, okay, that's great. Now we're going (laughs) to. And it was true. I I just told him, you know, just nonsense. And he just said, oh, that's great. And we moved on. And some people are like that. It doesn't matter what you say. How are you doesn't mean how are you. It's just another way of saying hello. Like, don't really tell me how you are. Because I won't even hear it. And now, how many love to be around those kind of people? (laughs) Not really. When you're around someone who's not listening, what's kind of the implication? They don't care. You're not really that important. If I'm in your presence and I'm not listening, it's it's a value statement, isn't it? It's a value statement. Now let's translate that into our prayer life. If God's present everywhere, we're told in church. But when I pray, I'm getting crickets. I'm getting no answer. The devil likes to tell you that's a value statement. See, you're not that important to God. He wouldn't listen to you. And then he likes to itemize all our sins and failings and things we've done. And and convince us that we're not eligible for answered prayer. But that's actually a lie. Because the Lord is listening. Do you know the blessing from Aaron, the high priest, in Numbers 6, 23 to 27? It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Turn his face towards you. And give you peace. He also says, Lift up his countenance upon you or turn his face toward you. I love that because there's nothing like I call it FaceTime. I call the other thing replace time. Because <laughs> it replaces real face time. But that the face time, you know, when, when you're you're engaging with someone and there's eye contact, that's what we're talking about. God is giving you eye contact when you pray. When you say, Lord, I'm here in the name of Jesus, you have eye contact. Well, how can God do that for everyone? Well, we'll figure all that out when we can see the spiritual realm. Right now, we need faith. But there's eye contact. Whether that's through Gabriel or Michael or a million other angels, he is hearing you and he's paying attention. And I think that's a wonderful thing. When the disciples saw the power in Jesus' life, they didn't say, teach us to wave our hands or touch someone or make mud balls and put them in the eyes. You know, or all the different things Jesus did to heal people. They said, teach us to pray. Because they understood the secret to his public power was his private prayer. And the secret to your uh, life is the same. It is that place with God alone with God and so as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, our church was having just a great time in the Holy Spirit and people loved to worship but prayer they were still timid and the Lord said it's because they didn't have the words he said look at the screen you know they're they they sing confidently because they know what to sing they know the words so he said give them some words so this idea of a toolkit if you have the tools the job's easy that's what I've learned and a neighbor of mine said, every time I do a job, if I need a tool, I just go out and buy it. He says, over the last 30 years, I've got everything I need. And it's just like, if I need to learn how to pray a certain way, learn how to pray. And i got another tool in my toolkit. Because different prayers are, are, are right for different occasions. Is that not what the apostle prayer says? pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and pray in the spirit. Is that Ephesians 6? I think that's Ephesians 6. That's not in our notes tonight, but let's quickly go there. It's a Bible study, so you don't mind if I throw in a few extra scriptures, right? That's legal tonight? Okay, good. All right. Yes, of course it is. It's about the armor of God in Ephesians 6 in verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But some people just have one way of praying. They're always declaring, or they're always asking, or they're always repenting, or they're always praising, and all of that's good. But sometimes you don't want a hammer, you want a drill. And if you're using your drill as a hammer, it's probably not as good or as efficient, right? So we're going to learn some types of prayer, and I believe Pastor Julio was teaching you a little bit about praise as prayer, right, last week, and about the surrender, I like to call it a will alignment instead of a wheel alignment, a pun intended. That before we get asking, let's make sure our hearts are neutral and we're listening and we're, we have given ourselves to him. Uh, so much more to say, but let's get into Habakkuk's story and then I want to give some practical examples and experience to go with it. Habakkuk chapter 1. Here is a prophet, the setting is this. During his time, he would read about the great things God had done. And isn't it interesting that the Bible is so, it's so ancient. That we have scriptures in the Bible of people reading the Bible. Of the of the part of the Bible that was written before they lived. And now, that's in the Bible. And so we have Daniel reading you know, other prophets. We have, you know, the people in the New Testament quoting the Old Testament. It's really amazing. But Habakkuk had read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that are uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, probably written by Joshua as he shadowed Moses for much of Moses' ministry. And he was his personal aid, it says. So, probably written down by Joshua. One of the reasons I know that, at one point it says, Moses was the most humble man in the earth. Well, if Moses had written that down, he just would have disqualified himself from being the most humble person by writing down, I'm the most humble person. I just threw that one in. So, people say Moses wrote it. I just don't think he would have written that. But, either way, Whoever wrote it, he was reading about the great things that had happened in Exodus. He had heard of the things that had happened. Um, uh, I mean, in those times, the book of Chronicles would have already been written. So there was things that weren't yet officially in the scriptures, but were considered sacred writings of the history of the Israelites. And he's saying, look at all those amazing things that God did But in my time, there's injustice. So that's the setting. The good thing is he turns his complaint into a prayer. And Psalm 55, 17 says, Evening, morning, and noon, I moan and utter my complaint to God, says King David. I love that. You can bring any emotion to the Lord. As long as you do what Habakkuk did. And that sit around long enough to hear what God says back to you. It's okay to bring any complaint, frustration to the Lord. As long as you listen to what he says back. Because God's a good listener. And he invites us to be good listeners. So we shouldn't rush into the place of prayer and just start asking for things. We need to praise God to remind ourselves who he is. We need to make sure our will is to do his will. And then we need to listen. Before we start asking for stuff. So let's read what happened to Habakkuk. Verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you. Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Their strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so justice is perverted. Wow. That is up to date. Why are there children dying in the Gaza Strip? Why is the Ukraine war lasting so long and so many people being harmed who just wanted to live in their own their own city, why, why are you allowing this? Why is it always a negative question we don 't ask why uh, very often when we 're so blessed. Why did I get that good job, or why did i why do I have so much money right now, Lord? why <laughs> before I spend a dollar, I need to know why my bank account is so good. <laughs> We're not usually all in confusion when we're in that situation. (laughs) We say, thank you, see you later. (laughs) Why is the question we ask when things aren't going well? And I tell people this in general. I say, watch out for why. Because why will often lead you into the devil's trap. Because underneath it, we're already saying there's something wrong with the world. God is not handling it right. Because when I do why, I'm like, why Lord? I tried so hard and they still... And, this, you know, and, and there's often anger, frustration, or sadness. And there are some whys that will never be answered on earth. Why is for heaven... What is for earth? Why did you have me born into this family? Why do I look the way I do? Why, why do I think? Why do I not have the gifts of that person? Why, does, why did you let that terrible thing happen? See, those are, answers, those are questions that have answers. But some of them won't be answered this side of heaven. But what is for earth? What do you want to do about it? What do you want to say to me? What, what way are you going to answer this? How? How are you going to make Romans 8.28 work today, Lord? I love that one. I, say, I pray that. You know what Romans 8.28 is, right? It's our great escape clause. No matter what's gone on, whether it's my fault or somebody else's, I can say, God works all things together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. It's all, Lord. You say, it's in the contract. You said all. It was my mistake. But you said you can use it. So I was taught this by uh, my coach. I had a coach for a while in my spiritual life. And he says, Terry, you can always ask the Lord. How do you want to make Romans 8.28 work in this situation? Already I'm operating at another faith level. Already I'm above the circumstance saying God can use this no matter what. When I'm asking that, I'm not screaming at the universe saying, why did you let this happen? I'm engaging my father whom I know always has an answer. He's never cornered wringing his hands. Oh, it's Terry. Oh man, I never thought he'd be that bad. I never thought he'd do that. Michael, Gabriel, help me here. What are we going to do with this guy? God's never cornered, he's never trapped, he's never taken by surprise, he's never ambushed, and he's never out of power or love or patience. Isn't that great? He's that patient with me. Thank you, Jesus. You could have said amen, you just missed a huge opportunity there. So I've I've circled here in verse 2, how long, verse 3, why and why. Because you look at the way he starts this. And, and, and later on in chapter 1, verses 13, verse 13, he's going, You're too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate well, wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? When so, he's upset and he takes these whys to the Lord. And so, verse 2 in your notes... Hack, I'm calling him, that's his nickname, I gave him the nickname, Hack. Hack complains, why does God tolerate injustice? Lord, why do you put up with, the? Uh, can't even say it in church, <laughs> stuff that goes on in this world? Why? Why? And what's beautiful, you see, and and my Bible has the Lord's answer as a subtitle above verse 5. Maybe you do too. It's so important. If that's all you get tonight, it, it was worth the price of getting here. Is you can tell God anything as long as you sit around long enough, stay long enough to hear what he says in return. Because what he has to say in return will help your heart settle. Remember this, spiritual warfare is primarily your struggle to get your heart at peace. That's most of our spiritual warfare, is is our heart become at a place of peace. Peace before power, rest before rule. Say it with me. Peace before power, rest before rule. One more time. Peace before power, rest before rule. And that's part of the uh, number one and two in prayer as well. Getting your heart to a place of peace and rest. Then you can listen. So we have to get out our strong emotions, our confusions, our anger, and our will. There are times I want something so bad I can't even pray about it. It It happened just... Recently, And I said to, to my wife, Melissa, I said, honey, um, I'm going to pray about something and you're going to get the answer. Because I can't. I can't be neutral on this. So whatever you think, I 100% trust that's God's voice to me. She said, really? Whatever? I said, yep. And in this case, she wanted something and I wanted something different. She says, you're going to let me decide on this one? Without even, I said, yep, I just, I don't trust my heart on this one. And so I prayed. And the next day, it was two to one. Jesus and Melissa. <laughs> and Terry knew that they were right and I wasn't. See, I just knew it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't a big deal. But I just knew my heart at that moment. And so, we need to find a way to get our hearts at peace and say, really, whatever you want, Lord, then we know we're there. If, if it's yes, if it's no, if it's maybe, if it's wait, if it's you're praying the wrong thing, pray this instead. Whatever God wants to say, i got to be at peace. And then I can hear God's voice. And that's so important. So I'd want to deliver you from religion tonight where we think we have to pray louder or longer, and bank minutes and hours to get God to hear. The reason you need to pray longer is because it takes longer for you to change. Not for God to say, okay, now you've prayed long enough, I'll release the answer. There's things going on in the spiritual realm we don't even know. He's just saying, I need you at peace. I need you to wait and stay with me because there's a whole lot of other stuff going on over here you don't even know about, and I just need you to be at peace while I do my work. And that's God's response in verse 5. Look at the nations and watch. Be utterly amazed. This is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Oh. Hey, Habakkuk, you see what's happening? You have no idea what I got planned for those people. You got no idea how I'm going to deal with them. But I have it planned, and you need to sit and wait and be at peace, because I'm going to balance the books. Maybe not this October, (laughs) but it's going to happen. I'm going to balance the books. We know that one day there's a judgment day that's going to balance it all, but... In these circumstances, in these days, we have to understand that God has a plan. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you never stop. You never stop working. Isn't that a great statement? I love these, this new hymnology we call worship songs. <laughs> that make these declarations and get us singing and saying truth. You never stop working. So God's initial response, you don't realize what I am going to do. That's the first blank. And you would be amazed if you knew. You don't realize what I'm going to do? You'd be amazed if you knew. So right there, that's a peace-giving statement. I haven't forgotten you, Habakkuk. I do care I haven't turned my face away from the injustice I'm involved I'm caring I'm, I'm, I'm looking e- even that can you feel that? okay God knows he's got a plan so then verse 13 Habakkuk's wrestling with the reality of unanswered prayer that's what to put in your blank there you're silent you don't answer what's going on so the reality is some of our prayers have no visible response as yet right that's not a lack of faith you know there's this kind of mm, strange it's actually that doctrine in Christian science And other false religions where you deny and the secret that Oprah was into where you deny the facts. Fact denying is a big deal these days. (laughs) You create your own truth. It's a little scary because there is an objective truth. But we don't deny the facts in the name of faith. We just know faith says I embrace something I haven't seen yet. Because I know it's real. See the difference there? I embrace the fact that you are working. I embrace the fact that you do care. I embrace the fact that there is a plan. I embrace the fact that I'd be amazed that it's even bigger than I would have done or planned. I mean, we could camp on there for a month. There is a plan. You are working. And that plan's going to amaze me when I see it. Thank you, Lord. God is answering our prayers so he says in chapter 2 I I, okay I'm done here I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stand at my watch verse uh, chapter 2 verse 1 I'll stand at my watch station myself on the ramparts which means the walls high spot and I'll look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint so I've circled in my Bible I will and I will So when it's why, 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 the answer is I'll stand, I'll watch, I'll wait, I'll look. I'm not going to get my frustration to cause me to leave my post. It's very important to have that stance of faith. Now, I believe in answered prayer. And uh, just this last week, um, I was trying to find the place of a of um of a a friend of someone I know let's put it that way so my wife and I were driving and on the wrong side of the road (laughs) having to concentrate that's the left side right the British way and um we were driving around trying to find this place and we were on the phone with someone in Canada we're trying to find their friend and we're like So what does the place look like? Oh, it's got a bunch of trees in the driveway. Oh, great. Thank you. So we pull in here. No, that's not the place. And you're looking for this. And and so we're doing this thing here. And finally, we pull into a place. And I'd said to my wife, I said, we're on an adventure today. I just have this sense God's going to do something. And don't worry about wrong turns. No matter how long it takes us to get where we're going, we're going to get there. So we pull in the driveway and I said is this so-and-so's house and he goes yeah and uh, I'd been there 20 years ago but didn't look the same so we pull in I I didn't even know I knew there were certain family members like I I met these people like once and it's 20 years so you don't always look the same so a lady comes out because there's four houses it's a big property lady comes out of one of them and she comes over and and I said excuse me we're on a mission here we're trying to find such and such and the lady says are you Terry and Melissa? I said yes she goes I was just thinking about you a couple of days ago I have met this person once it was 27 years ago and, and I said oh really? and she goes yeah you, you prophesied over me in nineteen ninety seven. And you said, and she's the prophecy. And she said, Four days ago I was thinking about this and wondering what God's gonna do with that. This just happened a few days ago. Here we are, trying to find a place, pull in, and somebody walks out. Are you Terry? God brought you to my mind last week. And and she said, So God answered the prophecy. In one way, but I'm thinking again, what's next? So, the Holy Spirit came on my wife and I, and we just began to prophesy over again. Pulled out, this time, we pulled out the, you know, iPhone. It's a little different than... Last time, that night, I remember that night, I actually, I was speaking at a meeting, and the Lord said, I'll use you to prophesy. And a whole bunch of people showed up that aren't normally there. So it took me two hours. And I finished... And we had them on cassettes. (laughs) Now we had the iPhone. Anyways, so we spoke over her, blessed her. And at a crucial moment. And um, then another family member came out and said, Just yesterday, I had this change in my life. And I don't know what I'm going to do now. So we had a word for her too. And we pulled out in there and we go, My goodness, isn't God good? But... How did she feel last week? Oh Lord, it's been 25 years. You gave me that word. And it was sort of partially fulfilled. And I need to hear from you again. And can you imagine in that moment a person going, God's not listening to me anymore. What could the devil tell somebody in that moment? Oh, you've done this and this and this. Yeah, God gave you a chance, but you're washed up now. Or God doesn't listen to you anymore or you've lost. There's all sorts of opportunities for the enemy to speak in in that moment. But she was still waiting on God. And imagine, you know, there's only one thing better than getting an answer to prayer. And that's being an answer to prayer. That just felt so amazing. Now, you know what happened 20 minutes later? We drove over to the Youth With A Mission base. Where we used to minister. And we said, let's just go in. My wife said, don't tell anybody. To, we don't know who's there anymore. There used to be two Canadian couples that ran it. And we pulled in and there was one person on the base. And it's quite a big base. Sitting there with his phone on the porch of the uh, main area. So we went up and said, hi, we're Terry and Melissa. We used to minister here. Our church built that house. And, and he goes, oh do you know so-and-so? He said, yeah, he was the, our friend. We used to work here. He goes, well, I'm just waiting for a call from him. We have to make this really important decision about what's going to happen in this base. And he said, I'm really concerned about such and such. And right away, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You know, speak to him about that. And so, here's from, hi, I just drove onto your property. My name's Terry to six minutes later prophetically blessing this young man and him saying, this was so important. God just showed up and helped me make this decision. We drove out of there and we were like, what's going to happen next today? I just give you these examples of you just never know when it's going to be that moment where God's going to break in. And before that moment, you can't trust your feelings. You have to walk by faith. There will come a moment where it's going to feel great. There will come a moment where there will be the breakthrough. We love the breakthroughs. I love breakthroughs. But I also know that I qualify for them if I'll be like Habakkuk and stand. I will stand at my watch. I will watch and pray he literally says that I'll listen and I'll look I'm going to watch and I'm going to pray and I'm going to wait and God looks down I'm telling you anybody who has that attitude you got heaven's notice heaven is looking and saying I'm going to work for that person and even when you don't see it he's working even when you don't feel it he's working He never stops working. Heaven is moving on behalf of those who pray in faith. Now, if this was Sunday morning, that would be the end of the message. We take up the offering and go out and have Swiss chalet or whatever you like to do. And uh, I prefer jerk chicken, but anyways, that's another story. Hack... Habakkuk, in verse 3 and 14, gets a revelation. The Lord says, in verse 2 of chapter 2, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. (laughs) It's already delayed, Lord. (laughs) How can you say it won't delay? Well, in God's eyes, it's not delayed because it's for an appointed time. It feels like delay, but it's only because we cannot see the appointed times that God has for the answers. And in Habakkuk's answer, the answer was the end time judgment and the way all things would work out. So this was like the big deal. He's, he's looking back centuries saying, back then in Egypt in the deliverance and you know under the, the times of Samuel and now look at us now. So God says, okay, if you'll just wait a moment, I'll sort this out. This, this, this and that is coming. And he gave Habakkuk a revelation of his overarching plan and said, Write it down. Now, what am I trying to say here? If you will be the kind of person we're talking about that you will sit and wait until God speaks to you, what God speaks to you will become a a blessing for others. Your breakthrough will become a revelation that will help others live and have faith. It's never just about you. If you came in here with someone tonight, you're married to your friends, turn to them. Slightly say, you know, it's not all about you. And then turn back to that person and say, it's not all about you. It's about his plan. But when you get his plan, it's going to help you. It's going to put your heart at peace. And then the revelation leads to what? Leads to intercession. Chapter 3, verse 2. Yes, I'm not right uh, reading all of this, but we're staying with the flow. So in, in chapter 2, you'll see in verse 14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So he's saying, Habakkuk, there's a time I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to judge those people and my glory will be shown. He's talking about the end times. Habakkuk doesn't have it all logically, chronologically in his mind, but he's got the answer that God's going to do it. And then in chapter 3, he says, in verse 2, Lord, I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. I want you to feel how different that prayer is to chapter 1. Chapter 1, why is it like it is? I see how it is. Why, 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 why? Now it's... I see that you are involved in your hand. There is an appointed time. You're going to deal with this. All of a sudden he's entering into the plan of God by saying, Okay, if you're going to do it, I'm not walking away. I'm going to pray your will. If you're going to do that and and the glory of God is going to break in. If I've been praying for my my family member for 40 years. And you showed me that you're still working. And they're going to come to you. Then I'm going to join you. And I'm going to pray even more. And I'm going to intercede. I've heard of you. But now I say renew it. Do it again. Do it now. Do it in their life Lord. The heart of intercession rises up. Not as some hard you know, knuckle, you know, squeezing your knuckles and, and clenching your teeth and praying because you know you should. If you're only praying because you should, that's a very shouldy prayer. We can have fun with that, can't we? Okay. Don't pray shouldy prayers. Pray out of Revelation. Pray out of understanding. Because then your heart's in it and it lifts you up. It's light. Once God had given him perspective, then patience could come. You can't have patience until you have perspective. I don't have that per se in the notes like that. But the revelation leads him to intercede in the will of God. That's... uh, And intercession, in verse 16, brings patience and praise. Because then he says, in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound, decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come upon the nations invading us. I see it, I am afraid of what might happen. These nations have tortured and raped and killed and trampled and stolen. Yes, I'm afraid. But I will wait. Because something happened inside. I heard from God. I will wait patiently. Because his heart is towards you. His heart is towards you. And then this famous thing uh, verses that were put into song. Back in the 70s when there was a real... Revival, The Jesus Revolution. I'm going to tell you this about 25 more times. Please watch The Jesus Revolution. Okay, or uh, What's it called? The the name of the movie is called? Is it called The Jesus Revolution? Yeah, The Revolution. Jesus Revolution. I love it. The opening credits say, based on a true revolution. (laughs) As it's true. It's almost like a docudrama. I told you that before. It's my testimony. If you want to know where I came from. Literally the protagonist, the young couple that get together in the, in the movie. It's, it's like Melissa and my story. And um, in those days, there was a brand new thing. Putting the scriptures to music. Hadn't really been done as worship songs. And there came out this worship song in the Jesus Revolution. Though the fig tree does not blossom. And there be no grapes on the vine. Though they all... Uh, all da and, and fails in the fields. Um, it's, oh, it's not in the NIV, it's a KJ. though there be uh, fields produce no food and there be no flock in the fold, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. We used to sing this in church it had a catchy tune. yeah, yeah God the Lord is my strength. who's singing with me here?? Okay, okay. somebody that's over 25 for sure, okay and um, A great way to memorize scripture is to sing it. And uh, God the Lord is my strength. I always remember that there be no flock in the fold. The produce of the olive fail. You know, and there's no fruit on the vine. What? That's the opposite of the way he started. I'm going to look at everything that's bad and I'm going to sing at it. (laughs) Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And peace and praise come. When we get honest with God, and we put our complaint before Him, but we determinedly sit and listen, and when we hear what He says, and write it down so we capture it, and we keep standing in faith, something happens in us that we don't even need the answer, but we feel like we got it, because He just, and that's faith. Faith doesn't come by trying harder. Faith doesn't come by positive thinking. Faith doesn't come by denying your trouble. Faith doesn't come by yelling. Faith comes as the fruit of hearing. The word of God. Faith comes by hearing. When we hear, not just read a scripture, but when God speaks it, he can speak a scripture and make it real. The the Logos can become a rhema, and I'm sure there must have been Logos and rhema, Messages in this church, since we're called Logos. But when it becomes a spoken word to our soul, that's when faith is born. It's birth, and grows in our heart. So I think that learning to listen is such an important part of our prayers. Because we'll never ask right if we don't listen well. Can you write that down, please? Not in your notes. We'll never ask rightly, or right, if we don't listen well. So how do we do that? I want to encourage you, we'll never ask right if we don't listen well. I want to encourage you, I don't have copies, but I think I will order some. A friend of mine, his name is Neil Miller, and he's been a missionary for most of his life and he deals with the Muslim culture and he teaches people how to listen to God in his culture in his context which is quite a challenge he came from what we call cessationist theology do you understand what that is people who believe that the Bible was just for the first century there are denominations they're real Christians but they've been taught that all the miracles were for then. And now that we have the Bible, we don't need that. The Bible's what we're left with. Now that's such a, such a uh, sad theology. <laughs> that God was good then to people who are sick, but no, no longer, <laughs> or whatever they believe. But he came out of that, but then he started to see God do uh, work that he'd never seen before, and miracles, healings. And so he said, how do we learn to listen to God? And it's this is a, a total how-to. What to do with dreams. How God spoke to people in the New Testament. How to parse out your thoughts of what's ingrained in you and what are the insertional thoughts that God is putting in your mind. It's a real good book. It's called, What If Listening to God Was Easy? Question mark. What if listening to God was easy? I'm almost 100% sure it's on Amazon. Neil Miller and M-I-L-L-E-R. Neil Miller. What if listening to God was easy? And um, good, quiet, soft-spoken man who just has trained himself, as it says, I think, in Hebrews, talks about training ourselves in righteousness. Those who've trained themselves... To listen. It's really about practice. Following the steps of surrendering. To make sure our heart's not pulling us in directions. Learning to surrender. Getting to a place of peace. And then trusting those thoughts that come into our mind. And God begins to speak. I do this myself most days of the week. I will sit and I will say, Lord, before I do anything... I just want to hear your voice. Just, and I'll open the Bible. I usually start with the Bible. Sometimes, you know, I'm sitting by the lake in the morning and God will use nature or animals because he made those, you know, and he can speak to you through them. And uh, he has different ways. But most of the time I go to the Word and sometimes it's a simple thought. And uh, when I was in the Caribbean, I was sitting there in a chair and uh, looking out and a uh, chicken comes by with a little chick, quarter six in the morning or whatever it was. And, uh, and as I made a motion, they started to move away. And uh, I said, Lord, what do you want to say to me through that? This is first thing in the morning. He's just like, see how dependent that, ch- that little baby chick is? It doesn't know where it is. It doesn't know where it's going. It has no idea, but it knows I just have to stay close. He says, I want you to be like that today. Oh. So simple. This is what I'm talking about. It's not like, you don't have to ask the big questions, but that that picture, I took a, I, I took a picture then, and it just stayed with me. That dependency, because God made that relationship. And there's messages from the Father, and... Creation. There's messages in circumstance. Obviously the word of God. Taking a little time. Developing that habit. The discipline if I can say it. To just watch and listen. I want to be that dependent on God. How about you? Pastor Joshua. All I have to do is mention your name. And you appear out of somewhere. I don't know if that's going to work tonight. But stand with me, will you? And uh, we were going to sing Waymaker to finish tonight. Yes, stand with me, please. Was this helpful? I'm just kind of like backing up.